0: Welcome back to the Nobody Asked Our Opinion podcast, a podcast where two utter buffoons talk pop culture bullshit. This buffoon's JJ, and this buffoon's Joanna, and we have a third buffoon.
1: Woo!
0: <laughs> we have, oh my god. <laughs> I almost called you Mark.
2: Hey, you he would be the first so. one. That, that's right, that's right. <laughs> um, that's why that I, would be a new one, but the rest of it probably not. That's, that's why hysterical. we
1: are uh, buffoons and not. Um, Absolutely. And also, to be fair, JJ only met Jason. 45 seconds ago. So, um, but we have Jason Markowitz with us. Hey,
2: thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. (laughs) So,
1: um, as you can see, we're super high tech here. Absolutely. Great soundboard. Um, It's called my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Just like in theater. So, um, welcome. And we're going to jump into the news and uh, talk about all sorts of fun things. And then uh, later in the pod, we will talk uh, why we have Jason on here with us. Oh, yeah. Get dun, excited. Dun, dun,
3: dun. Uh,
1: but first, let's get into this news gig. Um, so, okay, so the first thing that I have on here that it um, fascinates me is so everybody lost their minds because apparently Superman's bisexual, but it's not really Superman who's bisexual. It's Superman's son, Jonathan, who's bisexual. But everybody went, oh, no, Superman's not bisexual, which is true. If Clark Kent was bisexual, everybody would lose their minds, and I'd be like, understandable. Superman has always been with Lois Lane. That's kind mm-hmm. of his shtick. But now we're freaking out because the quote-unquote new Superman is Jonathan Kent, who came out as, is coming out as bisexual. I don't even think he's officially come out as bisexual yet. Like, it's in an upcoming comic. hmm
0: Scheduled for release like in the next month or so.
1: Yeah. Um... And then, yeah, and I just think it's funny that everybody's like, you know who we should ask about this? Dean Kane. He was Superman for like three seasons Mm -hmm.
0: one time. And And Dean Kane has some problematic things to say about about said uh, bisexual Superman, calling it um, just bandwagoning. Uh, Just kind of uh, jumping on the let's just make any character LGBT or POC just for the sake of having.
1: Which makes me wonder. Does he just think we're talking about Clark Kent? Because, again, I say, if it was Clark Kent who was like, he's bisexual now, I would have been like, how dare you, queer (laughs) bait? How dare you? That's not right. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. I just, Dean Cain is just apparently the person that is the go-to, because he was also like the go-to about uh captain in the winter soldier or falcon in the winter soldier i can i can english uh falcon in the winter soldier because he had like things to been like you know captain america shouldn't be talking down about america and we're like but he's talking about things about america and it's like you know the falcon who's captain america now because you know he's bringing in a person of color's point of view um dean kane you're not even marvel
0: (laughs) no and and or relevant (laughs) I I can't remember the last thing I saw. Dean Cain. He was in the Supergirl
1: television show. He played Supergirl's stepfather. And then he died.
0: (laughs) Was that a recent show?
1: uh It's still on the air.
0: Oh, well. It's
1: the CW show. It's the CW show. I'm the only one who watches these. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Also, which is why when they saw the thing about, about this, and they're like, "No, it's Jonathan Kent." I was like, "I watched that show where he's in." Oh. Um, yeah, watch Superman and Lois on the CW. It's really good.
2: Oh, I love that show.
1: It's so. Oh my God, somebody else watches it. Oh yeah, absolutely. <sighs>
0: I mean, she's been. uh, the last time I think we were coming out of having seen Shang Chi. Yes. And she was just like, "Oh, another thing you should see is this thing. It's so Mm.
1: good." And word vomit forever because it's so well acted. it it is,
2: and and uh, I didn't know any of the other characters or the actors to play any of those characters, obviously. But uh, I remember Tyler Hoechlin from his days on Seventh Heaven. Yeah. And now seeing him play in this in this uh, show, (laughs) and he's he's like grown up and stuff. I remember being. You know, yeah. overseas, you know, many, many years ago, and and he's the the small um, teenage kid, and now he's playing Superman, and it's pretty yeah. amazing. Oh
1: yeah, and he does such a good he job. does a great he's job. Such a good Superman, he balances Superman mm-hmm. and Clark Kent so well. And I know the woman playing Lois is, like has done other things. I can't think of any of them, but she's so good as Lois Lane. Oh yes, yeah, like, it's phenomenal. Their their chemistry is beyond great.
2: You needed yeah. to have a strong. Character to play Lois Lane. She oh, yeah. couldn't. She couldn't be anything other than portrayed the way she is on that show. It's oh great. yeah,
1: absolutely. Amy Adams wishes. Uh, Amy Adams huh. wishes she could be this good. <laughs> yeah.
2: She's awesome, but this <laughs> Amy is Adams this is, is different. Amazing, this this is, is different. Yeah, yes. no, and it's the
1: it's she's perfect for the story that they're telling. And um, yeah, I'd much rather talk about this show than about Superman being bisexual because you know what, at the end of the day it doesn't.
0: No, and it's just, you know, it, I, think, I think his point was not necessarily the fact that uh, it was the fact that he was coming out or that this character is bisexual, is that. But his point was that, like, there could be other things that would be more important for representation, and that, like, just hopping on the bisexual bandwagon is um, one of, like, very few things that would be more interesting. I mean. It could be like. I, I mean, I to
1: an extent, though, it's like I see that point of view, and there's like, yeah, we could be highlighting all wealth of other cool things that the, could, well, be, yeah. could be happening. Which, you know, what they do? They do that on Superman and Lois because Jonathan Kent has a, mm-hmm. uh, a a disability where he is uh, has anxiety that is based out of depression and anger.
0: Right, so like we get uh, the so whole mental get, health, we, we get all this other like cool stuff from other places. It just happens that in this one particular medium. They decided to take this particular direction, and I mean representation still matters. No matter who, no matter uh, above all else, it's it's get seeing yes. more uh, diversity in any in any. You know, shape or form is, is a good so, thing.
1: Yeah, I just think it's funny that that made, like, major news headlines. But I know, I was it was like, all
0: really? over my social media for no reason. I was like, why is this a thing? This
1: Why was it, like, on, calm your, down. Why was it on your social media? You I are know, I don't... not that, I don't, you are
0: not that I don't... That's why I was like, <laughs> this has got to be a thing, because... I'm not that I'm not it plugged into the nerdverse, and this is all over my feed. So I was it like, may
2: have been on your social media too, Joanne. It was just underneath the Superman and Lois <laughs> feeds, you know. Yeah. No, it was definitely on there,
1: which is why because I was the one who posted the article. But I, I was just I was like, do I care? No. I put it on here because I figured he wouldn't have seen it. He's like, oh no, I saw it on social media. I was like, but how? I'm friends with way more people who care about these things. That's so
0: random. Yeah. But you know what we care about
1: more. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. So, Jason, what you don't realize is that on this podcast, we are very hardcore stands of one Kelly Clarkson. All right. Our one goal for our podcast is that Kelly Clarkson will eventually hear about us and either just mention our names. That would be fine. Or allow us to be in the room while she is singing something. Yes. We will even take sitting in a room while she quietly breathes in a corner just so we can breathe the same lines, <laughs> I mean, uh, Our standards, uh, standards drastically drop every single time. Yeah,
0: if, if I could be in the same state as her. <laughs> you
1: are, well, she's doing the voice right now. Guess what? Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she's doing the voice, that's right. Congratulations, Mr. accomplished. Hooray, I made it! <laughs> well done. Yes! Well done. But uh, Kelly Clarkson... Um, has uh, covered a Faith Hill song, who um, I grew up on Faith Hill.
3: Absolutely. I
1: love her so much. And um, when Kelly Clarkson decides to sing anything, we take notice. But when she's, um, as JJ put here, Kelly Clarkson uh, straight murdered this Faith Hill song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So good. And I grew up, so Faith Hill wasn't the kind of country that I grew up with. I grew up with, like, uh, Kenny Rogers, Reuben McIntyre. Yep. Um, like more old, a little bit more old school, uh, country. And so like Faith Hill wasn't necessarily on my radar. I knew that she existed. And honestly, the only thing I remember as a child of her singing was the, the, um, the song from, uh, Jim Carrey's The Grinch movie. Oh, (laughs) that's my only Faith Hill (laughs) reference growing up as a kid. Uh But, um, and I'm not necessarily familiar with this, with this particular song, but, I mean, yeah, this is the, a big, I, just,
2: I think, mid-90s or late-90s hit, you know, for her. And I, I remember, well, maybe it was early 2000s, I, I have a hard time recalling when all the different albums came out, but uh, I remember listening to Faith Hill music driving cross country in 1998, heading from California all the way out to uh, Washington, D.C., and just listening to to a couple of her CDs over and over, and just, you know, the her voice is so great. And when I was listening to the Kelly Clarkson uh, rendition of, uh, uh, let's see, what is it, Baby Let's Go to Vegas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That it even had some of the same intonations that Faith Hill inflected into her music at the same time. And it almost was let me do this with my voice, but let me make it sound as close to the way Faith Hill sang it as humanly possible. It was both
0: faithful, but like she still was able to. Absolutely.
2: And and it was was really, really good. Just why we we stand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. um,
1: The other thing so at the Kennedy Center Honors Awards, Kelly Clarkson did a cover of The Dance by Garth Brooks. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, And it was so well done that Garth Brooks, like, jumped out of his seat, ripped off his hat, and just was like, oh, my God. Like, he couldn't, like, he couldn't function. It was so good. It was like, oh.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I still, like, that's, like, one of my things that, like, I'm like, you know what I need to listen to right now? Kelly Clarkson singing the dance because it's such a good song, and listening to her sing it is Gorgina.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Like, I... I think my all my ultimate goal. And I think I've said this on the pod once before. Is I wanna like uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a I, I'm a piano teacher. I play the piano, and I, I heard. would love if I could get her to sing. If I ain't got you, or if I ain't got what's the the Alicia's the Alicia uh. Keys song. If I ain't got you,
1: I ain't got you with me, baby. that that song
0: cuz the piano part is beautiful it's just like mm. sultry jazz like uh-huh. piano style and it's well within her wheelhouse she's like she's got for a white girl she's got soul <laughs> and That's she
1: got that texas soul she got that
0: texan soul and i'm like oh i would love to do like a like a sultry jazz number with her Mm -hmm. and I'd be
2: like then I could just die well she sang a lot of different varieties during her American Idol Mm -hmm. time on there too and grew up singing gospel and singing country and so she can put her voice to whatever the music requires she's pretty good
1: no within the last like oh three or four years ago she finally got out of her Idol contract Mm -hmm. her Idol contract just ended
2: Mm. that's um, so wild
0: it's that long
1: yeah it was it was like a 20 year contract good god but uh, so she just she's laughing all the way to the bank no I mean she's like (laughs) she definitely Yeah. like, I'm not mad at it. I'm glad yep. that I have it because yeah. I would never would have made it to where I am with it. Yeah. But she was finally able to make the album that she wanted to. And it was a soul album. It was like a soul and R&B kind of feel uh, mm. album. And it oh, it's oh, so good.
0: I mean, remember, you, I think it was, was it last week or the week before where all the judges, like um, the, the voice, voice started singing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: some, And I forget what song they song.
1: They're singing Aretha.
0: Oh, yeah, they were singing Respect. And uh, uh, Ariana Grande was singing with Kelly, Uh Aretha respect. And I was like, oh, poor Ariana Grande. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no, like, I mean, you you look pretty, you sound great. I believe she's a little dead in the eyes when she performs, but that's whatever. It's
4: neither here nor there. But uh,
0: she, I'm like, up against a Kelly Clarkson who's got, like, like I said White Woman Got Soul and this Mm. little tiny individual is like I can't you can't
1: so I compared it to when Kelly Clarkson was on Idol and they got to sing like the remaining contestants got to sing with like someone that they idolized and she got to sing with Reba and you're like it's almost there like she was so good at that age because she was only like 19 or 20 when she was on Idol and uh, Reba is like you know Reba (laughs) and it was one of those things where you're like man it was, it was just one of those moments where you're like, Man, Reba McIntyre is really good here. Mm-hmm. And you're like, And Kelly Clarkson was there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how exactly, I felt yeah. like listening to that. You're like, Man, Kelly Clarkson's really good here. And Carrie was, was there. there. <laughs> good, good
0: for her. Good for her. She
1: tried. She tried
0: real hard. But that's why we love Kelly. She can just take anything and just like melt my heart.
2: Yeah well, that was great when I saw that on your list of things yeah. you were going to talk about. I was like, okay, I'm gonna to have to check this out because yeah. I, I don't really watch so a lot good. of TV or mm-hmm. you know get uh, able to see a whole bunch of things. And then when you had that on there, I was, okay, I gotta watch this clip and oh, it was so it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. Every time there's Kelly Clarkson sings something, we're like, and we listen. We <laughs> uh-huh. literally are like our news stories for like four straight weeks was just, oh, did you hear Kelly Clarkson sing <laughs> this song on her on her TV show? Because she has a talk show and she does it's yeah. her opening segments are like. Yeah, a, she has a whole segment called of it called Kelly Yeah, and um, it was just us, and so now it's if we don't go, if we go longer than two weeks without talking about Kelly Clarkson, I think we're dishonoring her. <laughs> so um, there you go
0: Well, we got it covered we also we also feel this like existential angst like within our like just psyches and we're like something doesn't feel right did we talk about kelly this week (laughs) like it feels really dark (laughs) yeah i blame you all right
1: more news um so um we saw the jungle cruise it was all right But apparently, yeah, Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt got uh, called out because their, uh, their sexual banter went a little too hard for uh, Disney movies. Um, which is, I mean, they're grown ups with grown up sense of humors and um, come from, you know, well, I mean, Emily Blunt's British, so she has that fun tri British wit. And you have, yes. you know, Dwayne Johnson who rose to stardom wrestling and being gross. Um, as wrestlers are, um, I can say that I watched him when I was younger. I remember his his up-comments. I don't
0: call him Dwayne Johnson. I still call Dwayne him The, the Rock. Rock. Mm-hmm. I, I almost like my brain refuses to learn. It's getting close for me. I, I think I can.
1: I finally made this one way or, way or the right other. In my head. Yeah. I, I still sometimes go Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. Uh, it's gotten to
0: Dwayne, that at least that point where I know that like when somebody's talking about Dwayne Johnson, I re I recall I recall that it is the rock yeah but i still i cannot like those words can't come out of my mouth
1: you don't go back to his rocky Maevea days that was what he was before he became the rock
0: no i knew him as the rock because i grew up with him and as the rock i didn't even not even before his. i was gonna say
1: well because rocky mavea was who he was that was his first wrestling persona and then he switched it to just the rock because that was cooler yeah and people could remember it better um but, but I think it's just hilarious, it, but, yeah, it's just hilarious
0: just... that like on, on the set of a Disney movie, they're like, I think the joke that actually got them called out by Disney was something about like Vagisil and anal beads. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, uh, yeah, I mean, there are adults that have adult humors, but I guess. But,
1: but it's not okay for a G rated Disney film or a PG rated yeah. Disney film. That's, that's when you're like, oh yeah. Um, no, well, I think not. it was also
2: that's... during an interview. And yeah. and I think there was it was she was the, recalling it, this during yeah, uh, during an interview yeah, saying it was like, it was oh, time we, in, had a, we had a exactly s- talking to <laughs> like anything you know time and place you know you you have the the jokes amongst friends and and you get very comfortable with one another in a in a and set I kind believe, of an environment and I yeah, totally believe absolutely. that The Rocket, and Blunt had like a really close
0: you can see it on screen like oh yeah, they um, had a great they, chemistry. Had, they
1: had great chemistry yeah. it made no sense for that movie but they had great chemistry yeah.
2: <laughs> I just love all the dad jokes that he had during that. That was perfect. The Jungle was Cruise perfect. jokes were the best. Yeah, they were great. Oh. Yeah.
1: They did the backside of water. That was all I wanted. Yeah. And as long as they did the backside of water joke, it's in every Jungle Cruise ride. Like, it's a requirement. And if somebody doesn't do it, like, that... Yeah, that person person gets fired. (laughs) Um, And so they're like, "Oh my God!" They even made, and the fact that it was like rigged to do it Mm -hmm. so he can make the joke. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even like, "Oh, look, where's the waterfall?" Like, no, he literally set that up so he can make a backside of water joke, and that was and the groaning (laughs) from the people. Oh, (sighs) oh, yeah, yeah,
2: oh yeah, yeah. That was that was excellent. I was kind of glad when you introduced it. You were saying it was okay. I think I had found kind of the same, you yeah. know, opinion of it. I was hoping, I think, for a little bit more. I think it tried to bring too much Pirates of the Caribbean into it for yes. me. Yeah. I was looking for a little more like straight up 1920s, 30s, you know, you know 40s jungle cruise. You know, that they're oh, yeah. the aura, the era that they pick, great, you know, do what you need to do. I don't know if the supernatural thing really kind like, of did we really it for me. More
0: undead pirates, like yeah, ugh, we've
2: mm, done that. Yeah,
1: no, it's just it. It tried too hard. It tried to get lightning in a bottle again, and mm-hmm. that wasn't gonna happen. Sorry. But I, mean, I think they're
2: trying to fix it, maybe a little bit with uh, the second one. The second and one's yeah. coming on. You know, and now both... he's technically he's no longer in that that uh, yeah. undead type environment, oh. and now he can. You know, maybe this is gonna be a way to to kind of bring it home a little bit. I hope we'll see. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Either way, um, it's going to be pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yep. And so our last bit of news, because I moved it from the end of the segment, or the end of the show, to now, is that Hawkeye is getting a new release schedule. So um, instead of releasing six episodes, one episode a week, Disney is releasing the first two episodes on like the week of Thanksgiving.
2: Yeah, November twenty fourth. I yeah. think it is Thanksgiving. Yeah.
1: Thanksgiving Day. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, Watching I mean, Hawkeye. Right. <laughs> so excited. <laughs>
0: And then, and this is, I think, besides, I think, WandaVision, they've been basically just like, oh, releasing one episode at a time. Uh, I think WandaVision, did they release like the first two or three?
1: Um, I want to, yeah, two. I was going to say, I want to say two, I think uh, people who got like early access press got three. Uh-huh. We're not that cool yet. That's not also that cool a goal yet. of ours is to get cool enough to get things released to us sooner.
2: Nice.
0: A screen would be lovely, y'all. But,
1: yeah, so and so when
2: you really get down to it, you want Kelly Clarkson to give you the early release. <laughs> it would be that, so was, that you can mean, get. Yeah, I mean, then, so then, I you've, got it all. It. then you've got it all. <laughs> I would just right. disintegrate. <laughs> I want the early release and then be
1: told the only way we can watch the early release is if we watch it with Kelly Clarkson. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, yep, yeah, nope, that's it. But uh, I'm so excited for Hawkeye. I can't wait. Um, his show looks so good. Um, we nerd out about the Marvel TV shows we've covered. Well, we started with Falcon and Winter Soldier, so that's when we started our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're so good. They're so well done. And I want Rogers the Musical more than I want anything in this life. Hysterical. <laughs> Adam Pascal's in it.
0: Yeah, it does not Like, say. if you look
1: at the screen, and then you, like, you, you pause it when they have all of the actors on there. There's one guy in a nondescript kind of suit, and you're like, that's Adam Pascal. And... And then he was tagged in on Instagram on like after that trailer released. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think another
0: Broadway actor was also like. There's a, bu-
1: there's a few Broadway actors in yeah. there, but I don't know. Oh, Brian Darcy James is also in this. Yes. But he's not on the Broadway thing. He's just in he's the just show. He's in the show. I don't know what he's playing. I don't really care. I love Brian Darcy James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's so great. Um, but uh, <laughs> so that brings us to the end of our news. And hey, friends, we got a new segment. Um... We have uh, the incomparable uh, Miranda D. Lawson, actress, singer, my friend and yours, uh, Sacramento local, who is uh, going to be recapping uh, wonderful movies, shows, books, music, who knows? Um, It's up to her, and I'm not supervising it, so uh, (laughs) we are going to get all sorts of crazy fun stuff. So uh, sit back, relax, and listen to Miranda's 10-minute recaps.
4: Miranda's 10-minute recap. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to Miranda's 10-minute recap. And for today's episode, I am going to be recapping the movie Malignant, a James Wan horror movie uh, from 2021 this year. That is a trip. It is a ride. Um, and I'm going to recap it in 10 minutes for you. I'm going to set my timer. Starting... I should have maybe pulled this up first. I'm going to set my timer for 10 minutes to give you the recap starting right now. All right, we open up on what we find out is a flashback of a weird very greenly lit mental hospital there's a female doctor who is commenting on gabriel being stronger every day um and then she's speaking to this other old white dude um because you know and so they are in a room with what you it's a small child with pretty pink socks on and they talk about gabriel and suddenly the electricity starts going out and then gabriel starts talking to them through the radio because i guess that's how he speaks Starts breaking people's necks and throwing them across the room and the female doctor says it's time to cut out the cancer and then black out opening credits so he lights up on this woman named Madison she's pregnant she's in like a nurse's outfit or something I think and she's coming home from what seems to be a long day of work she's very tired her douche canoe of a husband is laying on the bed and he's like you always get so sick when you get pregnant blah 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 you need to stop getting pregnant you keep losing all of my babies which apparently she miscarriages often um uh, rude he gets mad at her about some shit and smashes her head into the wall and she bleeds from the back of the head and he's like, I'm so sorry, and whatever, it's awful. And so she makes him sleep on the couch. Now, at nighttime, there is a shadowy figure that like starts turning on weird lights and turns on the the oven or something, I don't exactly remember. And then you see from behind like this weird long-haired black thing comes up behind him. And like, attacks. Cut two next morning. Dude's head is like one eighty. He now can watch his back, which unfortunately the connection to his brainstem has been severed, so he can't watch anything. But the cops come and they're like, "Wow, this is nuts. This dude is super mangled." And one of the cops, um, she's like, "Well." the only person in the house was the wife and if he beat her up then she has motive she goes to the hospital because oh back up she comes down the stairs in the in the morning or at some point she's like wow this my husband's here he's dead that's real sad oh my god and then she gets run up the stairs attacked by this black thing also so you're like well it obviously wasn't her because she couldn't do that and then whatever and it's like he was dropped from the ceiling anyway back to where we were she's in the hospital because she got attacked. She wakes up and her sister's there, very sweet little blonde lady, and she's miscarried this baby again. And so she's freaking out, blah, blah, blah. So the sister's like, don't go back to that house. Clearly you had a home invader. She's like, nothing's gonna keep me from my house. I will literally never understand why people, specifically of the caucasity, are so attached to their houses that they're like, sure, I'll go live there by myself after this tragic home invasion with no additional security, except that maybe I'll nail some windows shut, like whatever. So she's like, no, I'll be fine. I'll go back home. So she goes back home and she starts like seeing things. This is where I don't remember a lot of what's going on. She sees things. She, um, suddenly gets like, transported in like a weird walls dissolve kind of thing and she ends up like in the bedrooms or in the rooms where these other people are being killed the other people that are being viciously killed are the doctors from the very beginning opening flashback and at some point somebody mentions the name gabriel she hears the name gabriel or something like that and she goes to visit her mom and they're looking at stuff and mom says you've not said the name gabriel in years dun, dun, dun. so she knows about gabriel right like or it's something from her past come to find out this madison woman is adopted and this is why she wanted to have a kid really bad she's like I just wanted to feel the biological connection between me and a child that's really mine and her sister's like what this this is how you choose to tell me that you're adopted? Um, So anyway, they're going back to mom, trying to figure out stuff. Meanwhile, her head still hurts and bleeds on occasion. That's important. So they're visiting mom and she's like, wow, you haven't said Gabriel in years. Pause, because there's like, cut to this scene. There's some underground um, tours. I don't know, I I don't know where we are, but there's like underground building city tours that this woman gives. And you're like, great, this is fun, okay. Cut to this woman goes to leave the facility, she's the tour guide and she goes to leave the facility and she's like, this is cool, let me unplug all of these weird Edison bulbs from extension cords by myself at nighttime underground in the city, cause that's safe. And then she hears like, tinkle, 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 and you're like, wow, that's really fucking weird. You should just leave. But no, we have to go down the hall. Heaven forbid a noise happens and I don't know what it is. So she gets kidnapped because she deserves it. Cut to she wakes up and she's like hanging Jesus style from the eve of a roof inside of somebody's like workshop warehousey looking thing. And this weird all black creature is like off in the corner and it moves really weird and it's scary and we don't like it. So cut back to... Madison has another melty room I'm gonna kill somebody but this time we see this creature and this creature is like backwards arms bent backwards backwards feet it like oh getting creeped out talking about it it's like backwards like it's on a it crab walks but it's backward I, I cannot anywhere's the trench coat it has long hair I don't understand anyway I'm running out of time so We go back. Mom is there. The woman's like, oh, my God, I'm going to tell you it's this it's going to happen to this person next. And the cop is like, wow, that's really convenient that, you know, and then it happens weird and crazy. So then mom is like, Gabriel was. Um, this thing and Gabriel tells you to do bad things and apparently the melty wall thing used to happen and then they got Gabriel to go away. Apparently Gabriel is like a parasitic twin on the back of her fucking head that talks to her and tells her to do bad things. And when her husband broke her skull on the wall in the beginning, it released him from his mental (laughs) prison. And so now he's like, bitch, I'm back. Come to find out, because he was like feeding off of her. He was eating her babies. He was sucking the energy away from her feeding himself. That's why she had all these miscarriages. And apparently when they went to quote unquote cut out that cancer, they were cutting off Gabriel from the back of this girl whose name isn't actually Madison. I feel like maybe it's Emily. Irrelevant. And so they can't get all of him off this weird looking raisin baby. And so they're like, let's take everything off except the head and let's just shove the head inside of her skull and sew it up, that'll be fine. And so when her head got cracked like an egg, little Gabriel was like, cuckoo, I'm back. So for one reason or another, they put this woman in jail, Madison. They put her in, oh, because her mom, turns out, her mother was the woman that Jesus kidnapped on the ceiling falls through her attic. Her mom was in her attic the whole time, in Madison's attic. And so like, well, we gotta take you to jail. They put her in the pen with a bunch of sex workers and the sex worker like, why are you acting all weird? And then we get to see the real powers that Gabriel has. So she backwards fucks up this gang of lesbians and sex workers and she like kills them all it's amazing and then she backwards runs out of the precinct and then there's a chase where she's like backwards upping the fire escape it's terrible it's terrifying long story short she gets into the room with her mom and her sister and gabriel's like i'm gonna fucking murder you and so she gets into the hospital room with her sister. And then you see Gabriel just fucking like gunshot to the head her sister and suffocate mom in the bed. But all of a sudden the walls start melting because boom, 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 Madison realizes that if he can control her mind, then that means she can control his. And so she manipulated the system. She changed up the narrative and she's like, bitch, I'm stronger than you. And so she was like, that's you. what you thought happened. Didn't really happen. She melts the walls and is like, "You get to go back into mental jail and so she puts him back in mental jail where inside of this black room there's bars and he's like I'm gonna get you blah 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 cut two sister's fine mom is fine I don't really know what happens in the end because like irrelevant but it does kind of leave the possibility open for a sequel because like he's still in her mind and should she have another traumatic brain injury at some point then you know he might take another look and peek his head back out anyway i have 16 seconds left that has been miranda's 10 minute recap of malignant by james wan released in 2021 enjoy you should still see it because like i did a good job telling it but also you, you should see it. wow
1: miranda that was great actually i really want the description of malignant um her way um i haven't seen it yet and i feel like i've seen it but i want to see it in the way that miranda has described it
0: i mean i've seen half of it and fell asleep I I would probably stay awake for that version for Miranda's version
1: (laughs) that's why Miranda recaps and on that note we're going to take a quick break So, uh, normally we would jump into the Drag Race 20, but when we have a guest, we let them pick what they want to talk about, which is why every time Jonathan's been on our podcast, we don't talk about Drag Race that episode, (laughs) because Jonathan would rather not. It's bad enough he has to listen to us talk about it when he edits our podcast, because we've been in Drag Race references everywhere.
3: I mean, Whoa. you just did one.
0: <laughs> Come um, back from the break. <laughs> and I do it every
1: time. Every time. And it's fine because Jonathan doesn't understand the reference, but it's whatever. He's like, that's that thing Joanna does. She,
0: she does
2: the thing. <laughs> I click the buttons. Yep.
1: Um, but so we're here and I asked Jason. I said, Jason, what would you like to talk about for 20 minutes? And he said,
2: Star Trek, which is awesome.
1: So um, our 20-minute segment... um, Did you want to... Oh, you have it up already? Cool. Is that um, usually when left to our own devices, we can talk about really any given given subject, but usually drag race because we don't want to torture everybody, for um, 20 minutes and uh not a second more <laughs> not a second more you had two
0: <laughs> how extra very seconds. dare you <laughs> you
1: had two extra seconds i will not stand for this we are a podcast with integrity um but we, uh, so we will time ourselves and so when the timer goes ding, ghosting even if we are mid-sentence mid-syllable we have, to, we have to stop it cuts off and that is all we get that's all you get and we don't ever revisit it mainly because you you just saw we have the terrible memories and won't we'll remember what we were talking about next week anyway Remember what sounds we were great about five minutes from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna get started in three, two, one. Boom, timer. Um, this will be great because JJ knows zero. About I know Star Trek. nothing
0: of Star Trek. All I know right, a
1: moderate amount of Star <clears throat> about Star Trek. I will
0: tell you the one thing I know about Star Trek.
2: Yes,
1: Come!
2: oh, good. Well, and I haven't
0: even seen the movie, I just right, know that reference. Hey, <laughs>
2: absolutely. Hey, hey,
1: JJ, who says that?
0: I don't even know. Oh
2: well, <laughs> we'll get you there. Hey, all right. It's Captain yeah. Kirk. It's William Shatner. Like, I know this. Between the two of you, I you, didn't even you know. took care of a one-word scene. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean that's
0: why that's why we podcast. <laughs> that's, that's why we do this. That's
1: why,
0: so that's why, why we're
2: the professionals. We go, Absolutely.
1: Right, so there'll be lots of things that we'll, we'll reference, and he'll go, huh. Um, let's see. I have watched very little original series. Mm. I have watched um, a bit, of, a, an okay amount of Next Gen. I during the start of quarantine, I started watching Voyager. Oh. I really enjoy, I was really enjoying Voyager. Mm. I was watching it while I was sleeping on your couch because I remember. Um, you were listening to it while you were teaching students. It was great. Mm. Um, and I have seen a bit, uh, bits and bobbles of Deep Space Nine. So I have a nice. Yeah. It's mattering and I've seen I think the first two of the new movies. Uh-huh. And I think I've seen Wrath of Khan. All
2: right. Well that's a pretty that's a pretty decent uh the spectrum of movies and shows and things. I think you've got a pretty good baseline. Yeah.
1: I, I there will be references. I, I, I know I know references. Like my friend's dog's name is Tribble.
2: Oh, excellent!
1: Because of the trouble with Tribbles. So tomorrow there
2: will be four of him. Yes. That's good. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is
0: this a creature that multiplies? Yes. Very quickly. Okay,
2: cool. Very. Yes. As long as you feed it. Yes. Oh, so, so it's like it's like a magua. It, sure.
0: <laughs> Isn't that, that's the gremlin things that? Oh yes. Yeah. After yeah, 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 midnight right. or.
2: Something like that. Something like that. Sure. Whatever. I
1: don't know. We're not talking about that. Yeah. We're talking about Star Trek. <laughs> uh, so, Jason, what is your favorite Star Trek?
2: Well, I grew up, uh, you know, by watching the reruns of the original series. Um, the The first recollection I really got is it was a friend of mine whose name, coincidentally, was also Jason, just spelled differently.
3: Uh-huh. And
2: uh, I would hang out at his place after school when we were in... Like third or fourth grade or something, and uh, Star Trek Two was on the TV, and we were sitting on the front room of the house watching Star Trek Two, and then uh, just kind of it was interesting to me. I had not seen the motion picture. Obviously, I was only a couple years old when the motion picture came out, and I was only six when Wrath of Khan came out. Yeah. So when I got to see it, and I was about nine or ten. You know, it was pretty pretty interesting. And then I got to go to the theater and watch Star Trek Four. Yes, and that was the first one that I actually saw in a theater, but during that time frame there were a lot of things that were happening in the space program. And I remembered being in class when uh, the Space Shuttle Challenger it. was launched mm-hmm. and we saw it explode. Yeah. And and that was uh that was a, a very deep moment, you know, for a lot of us. And I remembered seeing Star Trek 4 and then you had the in memory of the crew of the of the Space Shuttle Challenger that was uh, right Whoa. there and it was done in, you know, with that dedication at the beginning and it really just kind of touched a lot of us because you're sitting here that was something that really impacted oh, our lives sure. at the time you oh, know yeah. and and then you had you know that movie come out with the, the dedication on there it was uh, really moving i would have cried yeah it was it was something i would have felt nothing but <laughs> uh, but the thing is, yeah you know and, and and doing doing audio dramas uh, reading being in theater yeah. i mean it, it's characters right it's yeah. characterization and one of the things that i really uh, enjoyed and what drew me to the original series cast and crew and specifically through the movies and why I, I identify less with with the next generation and anything newer is I really appreciate the story. Mm-hmm. Less about the action, more about the story. I like, yes. I like the people and what makes them tick. What is their relationships and what drives and what motivates the character to do what they do. Um, Leonard Nimoy wrote in his book, I Am Spock, which was the the sequel, if you will, because yes. in the mid '70s he wrote one called "I Am Not Spock," and that didn't mm. go over very well. <laughs> and then he wrote this new one in in the mid '90s. And and one thing that that he references in in that book is is what the the basis of Star Trek was and Gene Roddenberry's vision and what it meant to him to be able to portray this character Spock and why he felt so uh, indebted to that character and he wanted to make sure that he protected. The character, and so even if the writers made him do something in particular, would Spock do that? And would he have the ability to go back? Because he says writers come and writers go, directors come, directors go, crew comes and crew goes, but an actor that has a role that is in legacy, it's kind of on that actor to continue the continuity of that of that character. And he felt very strongly about that. And then also felt strongly that if you have a character in a show, it needs to drive the plot. If it doesn't drive the plot, the character is probably useless. So how is it that you make sure that, that you are doing the right thing with these? And so the series itself, there was a lot of uh, uh, topics that they tackled during the 60s that were very controversial. They had to set it in space so that it didn't offend anything back here. Well, it didn't really happen. It's, it's, an, it's on a different planet, yeah. right? So Gene Roddenberry could put a lot of things in play that may have been more difficult through the sensors of the time to get through because it was done in space. It was done in the future. It was a different planet yeah. and different races and all this kind of stuff. And you you could get away with a little bit more. But at the same time, it was about uh, a better future. And what is it that that it has? You know, the one of the big... I think, dividing lines between the Star Wars fans and the Star Trek fans. And we always, you know, on the Star Trek side, we say, well, you know, Star Wars, guys, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We're looking toward the future. Mm-hmm. You know? And so there's there's that Some that Star philosophy of it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, but, uh, you know, I could listen to James Earl Jones, you know, read or tell me anything, you know, because yeah. oh, uh, that, sure, yeah. that Darth Vader voice can go on for days and it's just wonderful. But but with, uh, <laughs> with it, the actually. Star Trek movies, uh, you know, what started as a... I would say, uh, a, they did it, so so can we. In in 19, in the late seventies, you know, we had uh, Close Encounters, uh, and then Star Wars came out, and then Star Trek, you know, kind of fit in a very similar mode where they mm-hmm. needed that that feel to it. It was you know, epic shades of gray. It was big scenes and you know, Sure-huh. thematic elements, and they they redid the whole transporter effect for whatever reason, and did all kinds of things that they did. But it was to keep pace. But then when Star Trek two came around, it was a it was a vision that happened at that point. And two, three, and four was this little three-story arc, uh, really revolving around the death of Spock and his regeneration. About the series? No, this is the movie, the, the movie yes. series. They they went from you know 1966 to 69 in the original series. Then they had an animated series in the in the mid 70s, and then when they had thought about doing what they would call Star Trek Phase Two, which was going to be bringing a brand new series to at that time the, the Paramount Network, United Paramount Network. And it didn't really ever come off the, get off the ground. A um, few of the cast members didn't sign on. Uh, Leonard Nimoy was asked to be kind of a part-time player. You know, it's appearing, I think it was in two or three out of every 11 episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and so this that's... Is way very wasteful. Yeah, on and, <laughs> and really, with, when you think about how important he was in, in the original run, yeah. mm-hmm. how in the that's world the could you have Spock... Uh, a part-time character, right. you know, and so I think that itself just said maybe this series isn't really going to work out for him, and he was already involved in another project at the same time, so it was really challenging. But then it didn't ever happen because Star Wars came out, and then they started saying we need to do a motion picture instead, and so the whole series went mm-hmm. away, and they brought in this motion picture idea. Then they made six of those between you know, 1979, I think it went, then uh, 1991, and so during that six movie set. Two, three, and four were probably what most people remember as kind of like the the big three in that yeah, middle, starting true. with Wrath of Khan, going to search for Spock, and then finally the voyage home. And it kind of made that entire three-part trilogy, as it were, really work. The, the great part about Star Trek II is the person who was brought on to write it um, really was not a humongous Star Trek fan and went back and watched all 79 original episodes to try to figure out what are we going to do to try to make something that people want to come and see, mm. That's and <clears throat> absolutely, and the the uh, episode "Space Seed" with Ricardo on as Khan really spoke to him. Mm. That became the supervillain for Star Trek II. and so then you take a look at how those characters developed, and you saw the growth of of Spock, you saw the growth of McCoy, you saw the growth of all the characters, and and their their interactions all. Got better and better and better, you know, as it went yeah. through. It was, um, you know, more cinematic in the motion picture, and it got a little bit more thematic in Star Trek II. And then it became the quintessential Captain Kirk. They told me I can't go and go find Spock, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, method in Star yeah. Trek III. And then in four, uh, one thing that Leonard Nimoy talks about in his book is uh, he directed Star Trek four, you know, and and three actually, but in in four it was we've spent a lot of time. Doing some pretty heavy stuff. Star Trek one, two, and three really had had heavy tones. Uh-huh. We we need to lighten it up. Nobody dies. The victim is circumstance. Uh, they're going back in time. Yeah, it, it needs to be a caper. They need to have a good time with it. And it's there was a, a lot Who of me- humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's a, it's a very long Doctor Who episode now.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> and that. just the the writing in it was so good. Mm-hmm. A lot of characterizations. A lot of good humor. Uh, and of course, because you know you're trying to get all the major players in. The, in the crew to do something in particular. They had a lot of very specific scenes set up to where they could really kind of uh, exercise their chops a little bit in some of these humorous parts, specifically with uh, with J- James Duhan, who was going in to, to build this whale tank and had never seen an old computer because all he knew were the computers on the ship. And he you know was talking to this gigantic old 19, you know, mid 80s computer. And he's uh, saying, hello, computer. And he's like, you know, <laughs> and like, um, you know uh, McCoy points to the mouse. He picks it up, clicks the mouse, and speaks into it. You know, yeah. hello, computer. Um, just use the keyboard. Oh, how quaint. Cracks his knuckles and goes in. Like, you know, just little things like,
1: children like that. Using computer, like using a computer from
2: the 90s now. Just been like, it's yeah.
0: a the computer. They're They're like, yeah, it exactly.
1: There's no, how do I swipe? Yeah. Yeah. The Siri's not listening to me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: Alexa. Exactly. <laughs> Well, then, uh, you know, 1987, the uh, Next Generation started up. And that's yes. what I think a lot of people really kind of, especially in generations now, are really thinking about is Next Generation as being kind of the first series. That was their original series, you know, in, in uh, like oh, yeah. my brother's age group and things. And I remember being in sixth grade and we took a trip down to Paramount. And uh, there was this poster on the wall that, of the Next Generation crew. And, of course, growing up on the original series reruns, uh, to have a Klingon as part of the crew, I sat there saying, "This is never gonna work, right? You know, it never, never guess. gonna work. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is a complete disaster." And then uh, I watched the Encounter at Farpoint, which was their opening two part, you know, a premiere for the Next Generation, and. And uh, really enjoyed the characters, and it was a lot of fun. And I think by the end of season one, Worf probably became my favorite character on that <laughs> ship. But right. you know, it started out being uh, there's no way a Klingon should ever be part of this crew, and then it turned into being you know he is an essential part of this yeah. crew. Oh, okay. <laughs> he so, may <might> never leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> I
1: know. I uh, I remember that being the one that I, as far as like next generation, was the one that I gravitated towards because Lavar Burton was on it. Ah. And you mm. know, I grew up as a child of the '90s yep. watching Reading Rainbow. Rainbow. That's right. And yep. I was like. The man and, who reads me stories is on TV. I'm absolutely gonna watch this. Yeah, and I
0: was last week old when I when I learned that LeVar Burton was a Sacramento native. Like he, oh, he, I didn't even know that. He has like a park named after yeah, him they, in like Meadowview. They did
1: that like two years ago.
0: Oh. Yeah, but I
3: I was last you, you, week old you, when you, I when you I you realized that was great. Rock. Yeah, if you
1: have an excuse. You didn't grow. You like you're not from. Sacramento. No, no, I am not.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like I didn't know. I was like,
1: oh, that's actually kind of cool. Like, yeah, yeah. You, Sacramento natives Lamar Burton. No. Yeah. <laughs> we we have claim of him and Molly Ringwald.
2: Oh okay. There i oh, you. Go. you got
1: a few. <laughs> Look um, at that. And Jessica Chastain, I think.
2: Yeah, she performed down at Chautauqua Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see her uh, picture on yeah, the wall down yeah. there. I guess, yeah, yeah
1: it was like we also played with Jessica Chastain. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: I've Doesn't... acted on the same stage that Jessica Chastain has acted on. Yeah, you're here. here. <laughs> uh, I, I just did it, it in a
2: Belgian accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did it in the southern accent. There you go. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, but uh, watching LeVar Burton being on there, that was cool. And Whoopi Goldberg, because mm-hmm. she was on there for a bit. Um, yeah. Also, oh my and God, Woody
0: Goldberg was on a star. Ooh, yeah. yeah, and Sir Patrick Stewart. It was a really
2: good
1: cast. That's it was. Totally. It was. Yes. It's all coming back to me now. There you go. <laughs> so you
2: had a better baseline than you thought. I, I guess yeah, so. Like, right. I think it's
0: just like it's these like little like bits of like things that were like hidden in like mm-hmm. on the back burner. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that the thing. I remember the Borg is the thing, right? In star it Trek, is. and it they is. want to assimilate. Yep. Between,
2: yes, that's I remember. Right. There you go. <laughs>
0: See, I know things. There you
2: go. Yep. Yeah, look around and you go to some of the stores down in the mall, and you can actually see some of the the pictures that they had. Uh, the New Borg City was one of the the pictures that usually came out where they had the Statue of Liberty and the Twin Towers and the Empire State Building, but it's all, you know, in, it looks like a board cube, you know, oh. with all of them, you know, done in that cybernetic, you know, uh, environment. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, let's see. And then uh, I have met George Takei. Oh. Um, I saw oh him on- Oh my. Yes. <laughs> see, um, the world remember- is now remembering just like George Decay as being an internet meme, but I got to see him in a musical on Broadway. Mm. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, he's really good at acting. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, he's really good mm-hmm. at acting. And um, I just want people to know that, yeah, George Decay is really good at acting. Um, between me be seeing him do like live and then uh, you go back and you watch Star Trek. You're like, Oh yeah, you're really good at what you do. And then also that one Twilight Zone episode he was in. That was mm. also pretty, pretty
3: good.
1: <laughs> I know more about the Twilight Zone than I know about Star Trek, but I'm trying to throw in as much knowledge as yeah. I can. I'm like, I know things.
2: Well, I know last, uh, last year, well, maybe two years ago now, uh, kind of the last 18 months is a blur being so virtual with pandemic operations and all that stuff. I, but time's uh, construct. I went and bought all the, the Star Trek series actors, uh, autobiographies nice.
3: and started to, to
2: make my way through them one by one by one and right now I'm on warp factors from uh, uh, Walter Koenig Ooh,
3: but love that.
2: but uh, you know William Shatner's got a few he's got yeah. the Star Trek memories movie memories up till now so you know those are all lengthy and you know getting through those you know was uh, was quite a while to get through and I even have them on audiobooks so I listen to them while I'm running and things like that but uh, Leonard Nimoy's I Am Not Spock and I Am Spock. And then uh, from Sawdust to Stardust with uh, De- the DeForest Kelly story, you know, and then uh, Beam Me Up Scotty from James Doohan, you know. And and so there's just a, a, a lot of amazing background to these actors that really, really we don't think about, you know. And the, the time frame that they were born and what they grew up with, um, you know, during that time, it was really uh, amazing. And, you know, you, you think about World War II service for... Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, DeForest Kelly and yeah. for James Duhan you know, and he was actually, James Duhan's story is, is amazing with uh, landing at the beach at Normandy, losing losing a finger, Whoa. you know, uh, he got sniped uh, just after they his, his uh, Canadian battalion had already gotten up the beach and, and already passed uh, and up into the, 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 the woods a little bit when they encountered a small team and they took fire, they took enemy fire, and he got hit in the hand oh. and in the leg. And lost a finger, and so you don't even know that in Star Trek because they always hid, you know, his missing finger. So you never actually oh, see it when yeah. he's sitting in the captain's chair yeah. down in engineering. It's always hidden, but um, but he he will, uh, you know, be very forthright about the story that yeah. you know in his World War II service. He's very very proud of that. No, but, that's, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, and flying low level reconnaissance missions in a single engine plane, you know, and then flying over battlefields and taking, you know, what essentially was uh, airborne intelligence at the time, and bringing bringing it back for. Uh, friendly forces to know where the enemy locations were and being able to transit, you know, general officers back and forth while he's, you know, flying. So, I mean, there was just a lot of really interesting wow. war service, you know, that uh, that he did. He needs a movie. Yeah, I and mean, those books are, are movies in the making. I mean, yeah. they're they're all excellent. And you think of, you know, DeForest Kelly's story where, you know, him growing up in Georgia as the son of a minister and then becoming, you know, a Western actor serving in World War II as a radio uh, operator, control tower operator, and then... Uh, realizing because he already had a name that uh, now, gosh, if he was killed during World War II, you know that may not be great because he was already, you know, a famous radio personality <laughs> at the time, and so they put him in that Hollywood division, and he was able to kind of make some radio broadcasts and movies and things very similar to what Ronald Reagan did, yeah. you know, during that time as well with uh, some of the recruitment videos and newsreels and so forth, but you know, all of of how how he lived his life to Forest Kelly how he lived his life before and after World War II what he did in Hollywood and, and all of his charitable work and uh, and living afterward and he even writes uh, he's still living in the valley married to the same old wife you know because he's, <laughs> he's he, he and he and his wife were married the entire time I think it was 56 years that they were married if I'm remembering correctly uh, oh. by the time he died and and it was uh, it was just a great you know he's just a good person a, a good love story yeah. Yeah. you know and, and so you kind of read back and it's some of the Controversial things going on today that, that you hear about with with a bunch of movie stars and celebrities and things like that. And take it back, you know, to the the people that were born in the 20s, 30s and 40s and and this the original Star Trek crew and, and their stories are, are much more ones that, that I think can be looked at as if you had to actually look at a celebrity in a positive light, what did they do with with that? It's not about the the stardom and the fame and, and the glitz and the glamour. It was about, um, you know, what could they contribute? to their craft how could they perfect how could they make their industry better how could they make you know their situation how can make the situation of the people around them better you know and so that's I give a lot of credit to the the guys that were in that original series that's kind of why really uh you know look up look at them as kind of the the crew that I will most relate to I think uh you know for what they were able to do on screen and off
1: no absolutely and I mean they're also they there's lots of controversy during that time like oh, I know yeah. like the uh was it uh William Shatner kissing uh, yeah. Michelle. Right. That was first interracial kiss. Yeah, uh, on television. Quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, quote, they filmed it twice. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like, isn't it like the the story goes that they like botched the the other footage so it wouldn't be able to be used.
2: Well, no, they had one that that was seen and one that was implied. Okay. And in order to get past the censors, they had to use the implied version. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that was that was just the way the 1960s were.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, um, but. You know, it's in space, so it's okay, right? (laughs) It's in space.
2: So, talking about space. Space. Right? Bill Shatner, 90 years old, made his trip into space with Blue Origin. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Threw him into space. Yeah, so, so now Mark we've gone... Mark Neville's now saying, I'm, I'm concerned with the amount of people that want to say that they want to yeah. shoot me into space <laughs> Oh, no. Shatner did it, now I gotta do it. That That's good, goddammit. That's
2: it. right. Well, congratulations, Captain Kirk. Well done. Glad it. you made it back safe.
1: Right, I mean, that one makes more sense than Jeff Bezos. For I'd sure. rather have William Shatner in space than...
2: Um... And there we have it. And we And time it. is erp. Excuse me. Go away now. <laughs> goodbye it's either that or a telemarketer (laughs) goodbye goodbye.
1: um so yeah so that was us talking 20 minutes about uh star trek and by us talking 20 minutes i mean i talked about five minutes and jason talked the rest of the time and it was wonderful
2: well thank you (laughs) appreciate it hopefully it wasn't uh wasn't too drab
1: um the our main listeners are my family and um, my aunt's a huge Star Trek fan, so nice. she's excited. Like I told her that this was what we were talking about, and she was like, "Really? Excellent! <laughs> I'll actually really pay attention to that segment this time." Very cool. <laughs> that
2: that one's for you. There you go. <laughs>
1: So um, now we're going to um, talk about why we have you here, because um, you're not only um, just my friend and um, sometime acting partner, uh, you also <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> you also have an uh, audio works business. I do. So uh, tell me about it, because it's, it's fascinating, and I love it. And I love listening to your stuff.
2: Thank you. Um, I appreciate the time to come on here. This, this has been a, uh, a product of the pandemic, and... You know, the, the back story to it is uh, I had always been fascinated by the works of Edgar Allan Poe and being an English literature guy and yeah. reading a bunch of stuff, going through school, you know, from high school and college and so forth. Just listening to a variety, or reading a variety of different works and really appreciating his uh, gothic style. In 2011, I wrote the quote-unquote screenplay for The Raven and the way I wanted to write it, which was adapting it a little bit more, uh-huh. uh, bring the, the language a little bit uh, more modernized, so you didn't have to, you know, read it with a dictionary next to you. Sure. Uh, but then also, how would I do the Raven differently, but make sure that it stayed true to Poe's original work? Yes. And, and that also meant if I changed any words or any phrases, the meter had to stay the same. The, the rhyming mm-hmm. had to stay the same. The, the context could not be changed, you know? And, and I wanted to make sure that if at any point it was listened to, independent of any introduction, or knowledge that things were changed, the story could stand alone, even though I had modified it the way I wanted mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. And that was very important to me. But like I said, that was 2011. So it took me 10 years to get to the point where I had uh, enough either uh, interest in finalizing the project or even the capability to get it moving mm-hmm. in the first place. When we got sent home from, from uh, the, the workplace in yeah. March of 2020, uh, and then all the theaters closed, and we were right in the middle of, of uh, the dinner party yep. over at Theater in the Heights yep. at that time. Yeah, you, were. <laughs> um, you know, I looked around saying, "Well, gosh, what, uh, what now? You what know, no theater work, what yeah." And so uh, they had a, a um, uh, audiobook, book um, Audacity ACX, yep. you know, kind of platform um, virtual class that was being offered, and I took it. And it was uh, supposed to be 45 minutes. It lasted three hours. It was fantastic. It that really nice. kind of gave gave me the I can actually do this. And I started. I got my profiles all built up, and uh, and I started narrating audiobooks uh, around September of 2020. And so now I have 12 credits on Audible, I've done biographies, um. uh, fiction, westerns, you know, uh, a Sherlock Holmes story, and, uh, and a variety of others.
1: That one was a real stretch for you, wasn't it? it yeah, yeah, right. I, I'd never
2: played Holmes before, no. I have no idea. But, uh, no, completely sarcastic. I have played Holmes before. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there, <laughs> yeah, I, there you go. Good, good, so that's good. the joke is because um, yeah. I was in that show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, truth be told, I played William Gillette, who played Holmes, Both, but you know, nonetheless, it was, it was still was, the Holmesian character. It, yeah. it was still Sherlock Holmes. Yes. It was basically Sherlock Holmes. But, uh, but then I got to thinking about January. You know, I can I can do what I wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, and create a, a business that not only takes into account the audiobook side of it and the narration side of it, but I can find someone who can do music and I can make sound effects myself and I can use some creative commons non attribution required kind of sound effects that are just out there, you know, publicly available to use for commercial projects as well. And I can kind of work all this stuff together and maybe I can build the Raven to where now it's an, it's a product. And I learned a lot in the, the production of our first work where um, getting the actors together, which I used a good friend of mine as, as our other actor Brennan Velados here in Sacramento. And he and I kind of mutt and Jeff this first project, my brother did the cover art, uh, and I found a attribution-licensed uh, music to use for our intro and exit, but I really appreciated the sound quality of, of the music that was put together, and I contacted the artist that did that music, and now he does all of our music for this, awesome. and, and he does that as part That's of our cool. team, uh, and he's out of Utah. His name is Hayden Folker, and it's just just his ability to, to create sounds that really do bring to life the the feeling of the work, mm. uh, so it's not just let me just throw some music here because it, it could use some. It, it there's a reason it's there. It it, it's purpose. it's actually scoring it yeah, as good. you would for a movie, and and he does a fant fan, fantastic job, uh, and so we got this produced. It came out July eighth um, and uh, started hitting the market there, and it's uh, been sold across the country at this point, and it's available you know by CD on Amazon and and of course on our website and everything else. But but the the great part about this is, it took me, I'm I'm just going to estimate probably 150 hours yeah. to do what essentially is a 20 minute project. Oh, I, yeah. I had to learn everything from recording to editing and getting blips out and takes and retakes. And I had already been narrating a little bit and I'd been familiar with the audacity program that I use and, and I was a, a little more fluent with it, but then you incorporate sounds and then you incorporate music and then it's you know at what volume level are all of these things going to be and when you hear it all together does it make any sense does it enhance it or detract it is it in the way or not you know you got all these little things and then you've got multi actors that both need to be um, you know with the sound quality it has to be right so where are they uh, adjacent to the mic do you do them independently and then splice work in so there was a lot of things to do um, we learned a great deal from from that project, and then our second work, the Casco Montiado, which we finished about a month ago, it'll be out on Halloween on CD. Uh, it's a it's a thirty minute project, and and it is we learned so much in in the Raven that this one is is ten times better than the Raven was, and the Raven is good, and and this this one yeah, and and this one uh, we're really proud of because of the the way that we were able to incorporate the acting into this as as a, a, a theater in your mind, which is what I even put on my webpage, yeah. you know, and the, the Facebook page, that our Facebook group, rather, that I have, is that's what I want you to take out of it. I want you to be able to listen to this and close your eyes, and, and you can see everything that's happening, uh, but it's in a theatrical sense. I'm not trying to make, you know, big car chases and gigantic sound effects yeah. and make it like, yeah, you know, an action this. movie. Or, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, but I want, I want everyone to be able to, to visualize what's going on. And so what that means for us is that when I write the script, there are some things that are narrated that now have to turn into someone saying it, which means I have to incorporate maybe two or three more lines to get to that point. Um, You can't just grab something and make a sound effect. Someone has to say what it is that they're getting. So I have to add some things in. So there's a little bit of creative script writing that comes into it as well. Um, But the the whole project has just been fantastic and we're gonna do five total. Uh, Two are complete, one is gonna be complete uh, as soon as the music is finished up here uh, this coming weekend. And that'll be available on YouTube. And that one is a Manuscript Found in a Bottle. And then we're doing the Telltale Heart and the Mask of the Red Death as our as our five. Cool. Yeah.
1: I love that. I, um, let's see. The uh, Message in a Bottle. I listened to part of that in on, on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm.
3: And um, it's
2: quite fun. <laughs> yeah. The tough part about Manuscript Found in a Bottle was that it's outdoors. Yeah. And in Casa Amontillado, I only have one scene that's outdoors. And mm-hmm. so that kind of gave me the the prep. For this yeah. one is I can work how do I make voices sound like they're outdoors That's how right. do I incorporate outdoor sounds so that it doesn't sound like you're in a recording studio you know yeah. and so all of that was was uh, difficult to manipulate to try to make the right echoing effect or the or the right you know uh, standoff from the mic effect kind of reducing some sound bring in some crowd noise the, the walla walla crowds yeah. you know mm-hmm. they're coming in to give some uh, background but ma- manuscript found in a bottle takes place on a dock and then on a ship and then on another ship, and there are waves and storms and sure, all sure, kinds sure. of things going on. So it's how do you get all of that to where you feel like you're out in the ocean, but yet it's not too cacophonous to where yeah, you, you get right. distracted from the, yeah. the vocals. Yeah, that was, uh, that was quite a challenge.
1: I can only imagine, um, I say this constantly. The only reason we have a podcast is because we have a wonderful producer named Jonathan who does all of the work for us yeah. and I just make noises into a microphone. I mean, yeah, yeah.
3: That's
1: <laughs> because if we uh we would not be a uh twice a week podcast every week. We'd be um uh, maybe a once a month <laughs> podcast once I figured out yeah. how to do the editing and maybe go up to like twice a month <laughs> yeah. because there was a whole bunch of stuff I didn't want to learn how to do but I was going to and then Jonathan said do you all just want me to do it and I went oh god yes please yeah, <laughs> because, yeah thank you <laughs> so I have um, only bad respect for anybody who can figure out how to do all of this and then to do it with yeah. such layering and um, things like that to create just a whole a whole production just to listen to is amazing. Yeah, the the yeah. voice is the easy
2: part. It's yeah. all the it's yeah. all the effects <laughs> and then you know cleaning it up and all the things that the uh, audio engineers oh, yeah. are going to be doing. And you know I don't have an audio engineer. That's me. So yeah. everything has to be done you know myself and clean stuff up. And when I have my my wife comes in and test listens as we go through yeah. this and and she sees. Well, the, you know, what are the five or six lines you've got here? Well, this is voice. This is effects one. Here's effects two. This is environment. This is an <laughs> effects three, you know, and they're all pieced together in the yeah, right yeah. timing to, to see what all's happening. But you just close your eyes. Don't pay attention to the blips on the screen yeah. and you hear it all together. It, it really, it really tells the tale. Oh, for sure, yeah.
0: That's so, so, so cool. It, it, the way you describe, like, your, your work kind of reminds me of, like, uh, I don't know if it's, it may have been, like, an inspiration for you, but, like, mm. you know, uh, the old, like, radio Absolutely. shows. Oh, yeah. Where they I, would, like,
2: yeah. I, I love listening to the the old radio detective programs mm-hmm. and, you know, Suspense and uh, yeah. Boston Blackie and, you know, I mean, just, just great, you know, radio detective shows, that, you know, and, and I love L.A. Theatre Company and, uh, alien voices, you know, that do the audio dramas, you yeah, know, yeah. With, with the multi-voice casts and the sound effects and the music. And, you know, to me, that's that's what I enjoy most about, you know, listening to audiobooks is when they can be dramatized. And it, that that really mm-hmm. is a lot more yeah. for me. There are some narrators that, that I just love listening to, like Scott Brick, you know, is, is my number one favorite audiobook narrator ever. And, you know, Audiobook Hall of Fame and, and yeah. the whole thing. Um, but, uh, you know, him narrating... Tom Clancy and Clive Cussler books, which are some of my favorites to read, and then hearing him do the narration for it, it's it's just wonderful. And so but you've got to have the right narrator to be able to carry a story without any of the other things going on. They've got to be good with their characterizations and they've got to act it out the right way. And he's, you know, past master at all this stuff. But when you talk about dramatizations, you know, the the hard part about that is it actually can't feel like an audiobook. Yeah. It needs to feel like like a performance. Mm-hmm. And so you need to act it out. The the narrators per se need to be characters and they they need Mm -hmm. to emote while they're while they're doing their recording sessions and when Brennan and i were putting together casco amontillado there were there was an outdoor scene where montresor and fortunato meet for the first time and and it was just as if he and i had met on stage the first yeah. time when when we're getting in there we kind of look away from the mic make our voices come inward you know to the mic so that you kind of have that that Doppler effect you yeah. know sure, to sure, the sure. for the sound and then it's the oh and it, you know it, just by the way that the voice transmits what you're saying oh, yeah. you kind of hear the excitement or the or the the you know I can't stand this guy you know <laughs> you, you get all that because that's what's being transmitted and and so it's really about the the emoting and the the acting and that's that's one great thing about using people who are theatrical actors as part of the the cast for these is that you already have people who are well-equipped to do characterization. It, yeah. makes, it makes the direction a whole lot easier.
1: Oh, yeah, well, because, I mean, that's, like, the difference between, like, if you see, um, like, a screen actor who suddenly has to do, like, voiceover for a cartoon, mm. and you're like, oh... That was okay, I guess. (laughs) But then you have like people who are actually like either theater actors or voice actors who are like you know doing the voice for cartoon or whatever, and you're like that's that's that sounds like a fully flushed character because you can hear because it's a different form of acting Mm -hmm. and so different medium for sure. Yeah, so if you're gonna get someone who is just like. Because it's more than just even just finding the right actor, like finding a actor. It's finding, like you said, the right actor who Mm -hmm. can emote and do things, but only with their voice. That is not something that is necessary for something like screen because it's smaller acting.
2: Yeah, nobody can see facial expressions. Nobody can see your gestures. Nobody knows that you just huffed or sighed unless uh, you actually huff (laughs) or sigh. Right. right? You you can't just shrug your shoulders. There has to be something audible, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and those are the hardest parts when you're doing... The the audio dramas or or any of that is everything has to come through the microphone, otherwise it doesn't make it to the listener, you know, and and those are some of the bigger challenges.
1: Oh, yeah. We're used to that. Podcasting. There are times that we've we've done something and Jonathan's yelled at us and goes, they don't, they can't see you. we're like, here like, you know, this thing, (laughs) (laughs) this guy. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Um, So engineered and directed by Jonathan. Very good. Yes, absolutely. Um...
1: I don't pay Jonathan nearly enough money. And by nearly enough, I mean he makes very little money. (laughs) Mm.
0: Unless if this podcast, listeners, really takes (laughs) off. You can get get Jonathan paid.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Tell your friends to listen to this so Jonathan can make more money. (laughs) More well, streams means more monetization. <laughs> Thank you. Good plug. <laughs> that was my tip talk. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of which, <laughs> check out Markowitz Audio Works pre- uh, presents because you're here and um, you brought us gifts and I love gifts. Nobody ever brings us gifts on our podcast. We don't have any. <laughs> to be fair, most of our like all of our guests are either Jonathan or people on a screen. Yeah, people on a screen. Because, because they don't live here, um, so they did not give us gifts. Um, Hey, Rewriter prod I still want my pastry. You owe us a pastry. The same. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But they do. They live in Texas, which is great, but they owe us a pastry.
3: <laughs> I
0: forgot that that was like, yeah, we'll send you guys a pastry, a pastry. if you get, if you guys <laughs> if you do this <laughs> if you do him, this
1: or for commenting on something. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. uh Where can the children find your your things?
2: Well, first is uh, we've got our website, which is markiewitzaudioworks.com. My last name is difficult, so it's M A R K I E W I T Z audio works altogether.com. <laughs> And you can check that out there on the web. And we've got uh, The Poe Project is a, a tab all by itself on the website because mm-hmm. it's specific. The website also covers audiobook narration. It has a you know, list of all the books that I've done and things like that. But The Poe Project is important. And then, of course, we have the store where we have the, the CDs available. And, and we also have it on MP3 format now as well. But, um, but that's the website address. Uh, Facebook and Twitter are both at Audio. And then on uh, the Facebook group, of course, join uh, my page and then, you know, we can request access to the Markiewicz Audio Works Presents group where we get behind the scenes information. I'll put teasers and trailers and things on there with additional things that are coming up. Uh, And then finally, we've got uh, a new YouTube channel where we're starting to put um, some teasers and trailers out there as well. But the intent is to kind of build a little bit of an audience on YouTube. And then we're going to put Manuscript Found in a Bottle is going to be free uh, complete uh, audio drama that'll be out there beginning to end uh, available for free on YouTube here on Halloween. Nice.
1: Fabulous. And
2: the, the YouTube channel I should say you uh, search for Markiewicz Audio Works Presents. Awesome work.
1: I still, even though you spelled your name I'm still waiting for a million people to go through and been like how did you spell Markiewicz again? Yes,
2: I know. It's why we're podcast friends you can rewind. Yeah. Mark, I-E-W-I-T-Z. See?
1: that's right as of like marky mark but, yeah. but with hey. but, but wits there you go absolutely
0: <laughs> do you have any plans on doing like things outside of Edgar Allan Poe yeah this
2: is only our first um this is our right. first project because we wanted to put together a couple of individuals and then well, build, so like a, a build, a build a collection
0: for, you for a while
2: it, it is it really was and i wanted to make sure to get yeah. that done first but we're looking into what the 2022 projects are going to be and we may tackle a much longer project, and right now the, the theory, and it's not confirmed yet, but is uh, we're going to start with Treasure Island.
3: And, yeah,
2: and so that's going to be a much bigger project, a lot yeah. larger oh, cast, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, may take a lot more time than just being able to put one of these together in a month or month and a half. It might be a, a more, you know, half a year or better kind of project, yeah. uh, but the idea is to get the five post stories, give or take an hour and a half to an hour and 40 minutes, you know, on the the collection. And then Treasure Island to be pushing two hours for the the total. Yeah. So you have the one hour, you know, and then uh, you know, like part one and then a part two, you know. So you get the two, yeah. two hour long sections together as kind of the two chapters. Um, but to have that as, as a more like feature length two hour project. So that's going to be a lot to do. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's
0: quite ambitious. <laughs>
2: yeah. I haven't started writing, writing the script for that <laughs> yet either. So, uh, so, so we'll see how well it goes yeah well good luck thank, thank you luck I wish you
1: luck if you need more help with the uh the figuring out how to press buttons and things don't call me call them <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah
2: I can see all the work being done over there right now so I know we, we got we got some skills over here yeah. oh yes
1: yeah so it's, it's um great skills it's um yep everything's still recording oh yep. we're going to break push button <laughs> absolutely um but uh, wonderful so let us uh, as I look at my phone to get a note that says, Hey, you need to start moving on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. I was doing that. Um Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, we have a segment on our podcast called JJ Plays Catch Up where JJ catches up on a, a series or film that um everybody just, else in the world probably yeah. has seen but JJ just didn't bits see.
0: of pop culture that for one reason or another, the rock that I was under didn't transmit to me.
1: Um, so, and so... Um, the rock
2: or the Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> ah, 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 my head just exploded!
1: Um, he, the
2: uh, venomous, ah. And also, you wish
1: you were under Dwayne Johnson.
0: I would die. <laughs> I think he would literally crush my body.
1: Absolutely. Um, but so the rock that uh, we haven't, uh, that we have been hiding under, or well, you have, I've seen all of these episodes, is The Nanny. Yes. A great show from the you know late 90s into, I think, early 2000s. Um, I and think it's earlier than
0: that. I think it's like early oh, to is mid it early, 90s. Early to yeah. Yeah. mid yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's been a while. I
1: always think that something's like early nineties and they're like, no, that was early two thousands, so the time's the construct. I don't know what anything <laughs> is. This twenty twenty was four years
3: long, so True. <laughs> it's still going on. Right True. Now.
1: <laughs> I mean kind of. So um so we are uh, by we I mean JJ and I look at his synopsis and I go, Yep, I remember that episode. Um so JJ is in season three of the nanny. Mm-hmm. And um is uh, going to talk to us about it, and we are going to make comments, because that's what we do. And Jason, you've seen The Nanny, right? I have. Is a, which is wonderful. See, see? I mean, I get it. I, everybody
0: and their fucking mom has seen this. I get it. <laughs> I know. That's why we're doing this segment. <laughs>
1: that's why we're doing this segment. Um, so, yeah, and then also, um, in case you also were in the Rock with JJ, spoilers for The Nanny that came out in the 90s.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah. spoilers <laughs> for a show that came out 30 years ago. Um, do you have any, like, fond memories of, like, The Nanny? Or do you have, like, favorite jokes that, like, or... favorite episodes or favorite jokes that, like, uh, forever? I, I just
2: think that the writing, and like I said, when we were yeah. talking about Star Trek, I enjoy characters. I like writing. I like good writing, you know, and, and sitcoms nowadays, I you know, I'm not sure, but, I, yeah. you know, it it's hit or miss. I, I really enjoyed the writing in The Nanny. It was a lot of the... the Actor who played Mr. Sheffield was fantastic, and of course, Fran Drescher was great. But um, you guys don't maybe know that the the actor who played the butler there on the nanny also played Moriarty on Star Trek: The Next Generation during uh, some of the flashback episodes where uh, Picard know. was, uh, you know, being the, the detective. So yeah, it was. It's a nice little Star Trek nanny link up right there for you. I knew. Yeah. You okay, we connecting
1: it. things like we planned it.
2: Well, there it's you like go. You it. Yeah. <laughs> We
3: didn't plan it because I didn't
1: tell Jason. We were talking about the nanny until he no. showed up tonight. <laughs> but here we are. Um, that is exciting, actually. I love it. And
0: after. we've mentioned that on the pod too. That like I- I've marked how like incredibly smart the writing is on the show. Mm-hmm. Like not only just the joke writing is superbly like it's like highbrow enough that like the references to like. D- political figures Mm. and like you know uh you know geopolitical crises that are happening to like the even the lowbrow like fart jokes oh yeah it like runs the gamut and so seamlessly too and it's it's fantastic um what i've been paying most attention now that i've been you know watching three seasons of this is when are they actually going to be hooking up? So we have started. <laughs> when do they bone? When do they bone?
1: That we all want to know. <laughs> and so uh,
0: we, I have started. We've kind of started, uh, fuck watch Fran and Maxwell edition because um, they. Uh, they, they don't do it so much in the first season but like the second season they start really ramming home that like oh hey there could be something it's like season three they're like it's literally like clubbing us over the head with like oh these these two characters are gonna get together yep. just when are they gonna do it like um they they always have a joke like right towards the end of the episode where they'll say something like oh I wish I had a man that like knew what I wanted and then Max will walk up and like oh did you want did you need this like cup yep. of coffee Exactly. Things like that. I'm like, I see what you did there. I see what you're doing. Cause they do that. Like, um, there's a episode where. Um, <clears throat> the where Fran like meets a man and like falls madly in love with him like right away
1: that she does like every four episodes
0: she, yeah <laughs> but the, but the, what's different this time is that she they end up go like he asks her to marry her asks her to marry him they like even go ring shopping or whatever turns out he's just like a he he's like a thief or whatever uh and he's uh he grifter. like yeah he's just yeah. like a, a grifter yeah. um and there is uh, a moment at the end where <laughs> Where uh, she was, uh, Fran was talking to Maxwell, and I guess she had like gone through therapy with. Uh, uh, there's okay. I- I- issues with like her mom because there's always something with the mom. Oh, and by the way, uh, Grandma Yetta does make an appearance in this episode, in the episode I'm talking about, and I love Grandma Yetta. Grandma <laughs> she Yetta- is my favorite. <laughs> she is my favorite. I grew up as and aspire to be. <laughs> Grandma got a just like blue mascara, like blue eye uh, eyeshadow, cigarette like hanging off of like the just the corner mm. of my uh, lip of
1: your overdrawn red overdrawn
0: lips. crimson yeah. red lips and like a full on velour tracksuit
2: with like, a fanny pack with a fanny pack um, like the old lady on the shoebox cards right yes. the, over oh, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh exactly. absolutely yeah yeah exactly right right absolutely yeah
0: uh, but like you know she the, the, she she goes to therapy and the therapist tells her that like. Uh, oh, you're you you subconsciously sabotage all your potential relationships because you're pining over a certain a certain relationship that you really want to happen. She's like, huh, I wonder whether that could be. And then at that at that moment, I think like Maxwell is he was like had her arm around her or whatever, and he's like goes goes to separate, but like her earring gets caught, and they're like, oh no, we're stuck on each other. <laughs> I'm like,
3: bah, yeah,
1: <laughs> bah. Um, <laughs> um, I'm looking through your notes
3: and um.
1: Episode six, uh, Val tells Fran that her ex Danny Imperiale is getting married to Heather Biblo.
0: Oh my God! I would just die.
1: I love it. I I, I love Danny Purielli because his character is so
0: stupid. The fact that like we see him maybe once or twice, and but he's his like presence is felt with yes. with Fran throughout the the series is kind of hilarious to me. like, he's like um, he's like um, Morty. We never get to see Morty. You never see. Morty. We never see Morty. The the most you
1: see is. The back of his head or um, his toupee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is an ongoing gag. It's like an, uh home improvement where you never see Wilson's face. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But yeah, that's the episode with, with the most recent uh watch. Uh, 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 oh yeah, installment. They kiss. Because they, uh, this is the episode where Fran, having learned about Danny getting married to he- getting married to Heather Biblo, uh, goes on and she does. She like becomes a shopaholic. She like does the whole retail therapy like. <laughs> like hardcore. And uh she gets I get you, Sam. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like we've all been there, girl. Um but the episode ends where she there she, I think she has stolen Niles's credit card and then like runs to Jersey to like go to the outlets. And Max is like, "Okay, I got to go, gotta go save this bitch." So he goes <laughs> and tries to save her and then um They have, like, a moment where they're like, I wish I had a person. And he's like, yeah, I wish I had a person, too. And then they, like, straight up, like, make out. And we're like, oh! Oh! (laughs) And at the as soon as they, like, separate, she, like, faints. And falls to the ground. And he's, like, you know, you know, uh, you know, talking about something. And then he realizes, like, oh, I probably should, like, deal to, tend to this woman who's fallen to the ground. She gets up and she's like, oh! What happened? I don't remember a thing. I must have had like one of those shoppers blackouts, and so it's like, oh, they kiss, but then like she doesn't really like get to experience and revel in, and like enjoy it because she just ends up forgetting it. I'm like, mm, such a
1: tease. Because we still have this whole season to continue to draw that out. Oh yeah, and probably the next. Season, I don't remember which season they get married. They get married at some point, but I don't remember which. Season oh, I know. Like
0: I, I, I know, and I know that like I think they end up having kids together. I know that there's like. They 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 totally end up, but it's like you don't when know at how this you, point you don't know I don't how know how that. I get from point A to point B. Mm.
1: Um, and that is your journey. And,
0: and and so I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep uh, you know uh, adding to the fuck watch as we continue with this season because I I think this might be the season. This is getting, this is <laughs> getting pretty. This is pretty like they straight up <laughs> kissed guys like and this is episode six. They've got like twelve more like seasons of, they so probably like have like episodes. 22 episodes long so what we have 18 or 15, more, 15 episodes. more episodes or so so like they've got a lot of time or maybe i'm oh this maybe like the the soap opera 90s soap opera where they're like in the same dinner party for six months mm. <laughs> but we'll see we'll see
1: autumn how can you do that <laughs> Can't you see that Billy's just using you? Wait, I don't watch the soap opera. Summer, what are you doing? Can't you see that Steve's just using you? It's my favorite bit out of this entire show. I quote it every time, and he got to see that episode last week. And it's oh,
0: and Cece and Niles hooked up, and they're 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 consistent. <laughs> they're like randomly hooking up throughout this this uh, this season too, and I think that's hysterical. I forgot that that was the season. Yeah, and it's like their their relationship is insane. It's very like sub-dom like relationship because she's like you dirty monkey and he's like oh <laughs> and i'm like okay now We all right get... oh this is a sign of niles i didn't know existed but just um,
1: because his kink is not your kink does not mean that it is a wrong kink
0: i didn't say it was a wrong kink i just said oh hey you went, no, Oh i know more about niles now
1: <laughs> i mean yes yeah you're welcome
0: but uh, that is uh, the current state of Fuckwatch Nanny Edition, so we will <laughs> keep you posted. <laughs>
1: also, I'm going to say it because I say it every time. Also, Charles say he's so handsome.
0: It's, it's stupid how. Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. He's so yeah, I can remember his name, but yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Charles say he's handsome. Um, it's
0: ridiculous how beautiful that man is. It's, yep. it's wrong.
1: And on that note, we're going to take one more quick break. Brown brown Oh
0: my God, I cannot with the housing market right now, Joanna.
1: Have I not told you about Capital Realty Center?
0: Oh, the premier realty group that supported and succeeded throughout the California landscape? Now I remember.
1: If that's what you're looking for, call Kathy Johnson at 916-606-0687 to win that next bid.
0: That's Kathy Johnson with Capital Realty Center at 916-606-0687. License number 02021378. We're,
3: and <laughs> and we're back. back. <laughs> so, nope. <laughs> it's
4: a hard out for me. <laughs> oh, that was fun. I love it when we have extra
3: people
1: with us. <laughs> And I love when everybody just decides that we're going to go along with Joanna's foolish intro back into the pod. But welcome back, friends. Um, let's talk about some cool things that are coming up. Um, so, the screen uh, the screen trailer dropped. English is hard. Um, it's coming out um, really soon uh, January 14th, 2022. Oh, my gosh, you guys. The trailer looks so good. Yeah, and I think I was scared. I was real scared it was gonna be bad.
0: I mean, with a series of movies that with this series that has gone on for so long, it is so easy to kind of fall into like you know just bad tropes and Mm -hmm. just like really just you know really just awful writing that it's.
1: I thought this was gonna be scream three bad. Scream three was not good. (laughs) Well,
2: my my big fear was it was gonna be another crappy reboot. because the reboots haven't really gone well in my opinion for many many different series and this one is not really a reboot it is it it kind of is but it is a continuation yeah and and it brings some of the original cast back in but it establishes a a new group that that kind of revisits some of the the same Mm -hmm. you know themes that, that went through the original movie so it's really more of a a follow-on versus a, a redo, and, and I'm, I was glad to see that. Oh,
1: yeah. No, as soon as, like, Neff Campbell turned around, I was like, thank God. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I can watch we, this. Because
0: I think yeah. we're getting... Uh, Neff Campbell comes back, David Arquette, yeah. and Courtney Cox, yeah. and Courtney Cox mm-hmm. come back, so and reprising their roles, So yeah. that makes, you know, the, the fandom who are, you know, tried-and-true uh, uh, Scream fans, just giddy. Um,
1: also, on Instagram, I... Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette all changed their uh, profile pictures to the new screen poster oh. 24 hours before the trailer dropped. Nice. And uh, they posted it, and they're just like, "It's coming," and that was it. And I was just like, "I'm so excited!" No. No, it looks really well done. I think the the tease for this because it's it's a trailer, but it feels like more like a teaser trailer because it's not giving us a whole lot of plot line which uh, I don't need right now. I don't even need any plot line for this. It's a screen movie. We know what's going to happen. We know what's (laughs) going to happen. We get it. (laughs) It's going to be, you know, Guy in Mask, um, who will inevitably be somebody that they all know, and is trying to kill people, and there'll be a final girl moment. Like, that's what that is. And then it looks like it's like all of the final girls are still, like, packing together to try to, like, you know... The word
0: off evil. <laughs> That's what this movie should be called. All the final girls. <laughs> <laughs> it should be called Scream. The final girls. The final girls. <laughs> um,
1: well, because, yeah, because this one is it's just called Scream. It's not called Scream 5. Right. Yes. It's called Scream. Not to be confused with Scream.
0: <laughs> well, I've read, I uh, I read an article saying that, uh, and I think from the director, saying that the reason why they didn't, well, I mean, Courtney Cox says something about, like, it's not Scream 5. But it's not a reboot. It's not a remake or a relaunch. Mm-hmm. Or a, it's just like it's new, but it's this. It's like it follows it's just a the new, same. Yeah. It follows it's the same plot line. It's yeah. just
2: with with a new new baseline. Yeah.
0: But uh, according to the director, they decided like if we we slap on a fifth, uh, like a number five on it, it becomes like uh, you 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 immediately kind of lose. Uh, Credibly. like new, well, new fans because or like newcomers because mm-hmm. they're gonna be like, oh, this is the fifth of the series. I gotta watch the first four now. I mean, that kind of that yeah. that like that thought.
1: To be fair, though, you should watch the first four, even though I just trashed Scream three because it wasn't very good. It's still not very good, but it's still enjoyable.
0: Which one is
3: Scream three? Isn't
1: that the one where they're like, like the movie one, like on the movie set? I feel like that's Scream Three because the first one is the the first one, and then the second one is they're basically, in college, right? Yeah, she's in college, and then the th- yeah the third, third one is like the they've movie made
0: set. yeah they've made like a bunch of like this it's very meta yeah yeah it's like the made, Scream movies they've made into movies, and they're f- currently filming like a new. I think uh, what are they? What was the scream? I, for the life name? of me, can't remember what it's something. Called. It's like Shriek or something like that. It's very much very similar. I think it, that that was the third one, and then the fourth one was like the most recent. That Re- was the one with Emma Roberts. Yeah,
1: that one I didn't mind. That one actually was surprisingly decent. I was expecting that one to be the bad one, but it wasn't. It was actually quite fun. Um, I mean, I kind of
0: enjoyed them all. The, for the, They all have like their campy...
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, even though, like I said, Scream 3 is the worst one of the bunch, but it's still a fun movie. Yeah. Like, still go watch it. Um, but I'm excited to go see this. We'll have to go see it in theaters if, you know, theaters are still open and, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know... Knock on all the wood. Things are well. I have lots of things planned for us in movie theaters and world don't don't ruin this don't for disappoint me. us don't, don't disappoint ruin us. this for me um <laughs> and so we can watch it and talk about it but uh this trailer looked great it was well done oh and also i thought that the opening of it where they're like you you know the why are you calling my house phone you want to play a game and i'm like huh is this is this them doing the movie within the movie thing? Because that's how the next, the screen two started was the fake movie. And I thought that that's what they were putting in the trailer was the fake movie. But then I think we see that chick like later. And the, then they, I think
0: in the trailer we see her later. Yeah, we
1: see her later. So then that threw a wrench in that. I thought I was being clever. Turns out I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> but um we's excited. excited. Um, I'm skeptical. <laughs> on her next one, home sweet home alone.
0: I, I love that trailer. The trailer.
2: It was, was really awesome. Funny. It was awesome. Because it's a shot-for-shot shot remake of the original. It looks that yeah. way. Yeah. It looks like it's almost done with, with the exact same idea in England. Mm-hmm. Even didn't the name McAllister, you know, still in there. So Yeah, you see it on
1: the cop. And then yeah. also uh, um, Macaulay Culkin. That's his name. Went on Twitter and just is like, because everybody keeps asking me, I'm gonna say it here. No, I I'm am not, not. I have understand. nothing to do with yeah. the the the, yeah. the Home Alone reboot. Mm-hmm. But I hope it does well. Like he's, like he's like, I wish it well. I'm not a part of it.
2: Well, Home Alone yeah. and Home Alone Two: Lost in New York are the the standard. I'm oh, watching sure. it every Christmas. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm o- not o- missing two. it.
1: Home Alone Two is, I think, one of my favorite Christmas. I movies I, yeah, I love time. both
2: those. Home Alone or Home Alone Three, I. I Probably saw half of it and was like, "What in the heck is this?" and turned it is off. Is that the one with a different child? Different child, different yeah. family. Yeah, it, it was. It was awful. No, and then I think then
1: Halloween or no Halloween yes. <laughs> <laughs> kind of Home Alone that way. Home Alone Four, I think it is, is the one where they're like, "No, look, it's still the McAllisters." Like, because one of them, they like pretend like it's still like Kevin McAllister, and it's the same family, but like the parents are getting a divorce.
2: I don't know. But they're completely different actors. (laughs) Terrible. I don't know. I refuse to know.
1: And they got rid of like half of the children. Because they have like, the whole point was that there's a bunch of kids like running around and stuff. They got rid of like half of the characters, but they're like, but we're still the same McAllister family. And none of the actors are the same. No. And I refuse to watch all of it. Yeah,
2: there's only two Home Alone movies so far, and it's one and and two. And there's about to be a third one. one. (laughs) But this one looks really good. Um, I'm pretty interested in this one.
1: Yeah, no, it looks cute, and it's going to be a Disney Plus release starting November 12th, Yeah. um, which is a perfect place for the with Disney Plus. And um, I will say, like, the one thing that the other um, non-existent ones have against it is that they, like... Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci are such brilliant villains. Uh,
2: they were great. And yeah. so
1: I'm crossing my fingers that Ellie Kemper is wonderful in this.
2: Well, <laughs> I, just I mean, a small clip yeah. that was in the trailer where, where they ended up on their backs out on the yeah. the front porch and and whatever it was, I forget her her line just cracked me up. Yeah. You know whatever it was right. They're like, it, it that tells me that I I think. <laughs> the way that they yeah. have designed this is going to work for those. And they're not trying to be Joe Pesci and Daniel they also, Stern because yeah. they, they, I mean, the they're the wet the bandits slash sticky bandits are, are really. their own breed, right? <laughs> we got something else coming here and then it looks pretty decent.
1: No, I, no I'm, I'm excited to watch it and see how it goes. And um, if it's terrible, I'll tell y'all. If it's great, I'll tell y'all. Um, and hopefully it works out fine. Um, I hope so. But no, these ones, uh, they do have a special place in my heart. And... My favorite thing ever about the Home Alone series is that, uh, Macaulay Culkin did a, uh, a spoof video of him being, like, a uh-huh. Uber driver. Uh-huh. And, like, <laughs> yes. ends up, like, beating the utter, like, crap out of, yes. like, uh, and, like, somebody breaking into this house. And, um, Daniel Stern did a response video.
3: Which,
1: oh, I didn't see I this. Which is, um, it was him, he's, like, in a hotel room, like, with the lights, like, like he's like back like with a cell phone and he's like uh harry harry the kid he's back (laughs) he just watched a video he's killing people he's gonna he's coming after us next and then and then like the lights all go out and there's like a crash and then he does like his big like a
4: scream
3: oh yeah
1: and it's so funny it's like that response video i was like daniel stern this is why you are a gem um so funny, yeah. So just look up uh, YouTube okay, yeah, Daniel absolutely. Stern response video. I'll even find it. And I'll text it to you. That's um, great. Yeah, you're gonna. It's so funny. Um So yeah, I'm glad that we're keeping the the wonder of Home Alone alive, and hopefully it sticks to the landing. Um yeah, We'll have to see. We shall see. Okay, I made JJ watch this trailer right before we started because I was like you need to watch this because I'm gonna talk about it, and you're gonna have to insert something or else it'll be me just. Scrambling for a while. They're making a Cyrano movie. It's called Cyrano. uh, Based off of the story of Cyrano de Bergerac. And it's going to be a musical. Based off of the musical, the Broadway musical of Cyrano de Bergerac. And it's starring Peter Dinklage. And this is everything I need in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Because I love the story of Cyrano. I have seen the the movie with Gerard Depardieu. I think that this is wonderful and brilliant I've seen the modern remake with Steve Martin called Roxanne (laughs) um and every time for those of you who don't know because JJ did not is that it is the story of Cyrano's usually about a man with a large uh nose that makes him you know quote unquote repulsive or ugly to everyone and he won't ever believes he'll never find true love because nobody could ever love him because he is so hideous because of his large nose and in uh so like in the more serious adaptation it is just like those big honking nose but it's still like it's a comedy and it's silly and it's fun and it's sweet um and then in the uh the steve martin version the nose is like a pinocchio nose like it's super long and it's obscene and it's so ridiculous but this time instead of going we're going to throw in a large prosthetic nose onto somebody they're like that's dumb because people can't be that shallow (laughs) They are, but we're not going to make it about the people being that shallow. So they change it from having a big nose to dwarfism. And they're like, Peter Dinklage, you're good at acting. You're going to be Cyrano. And I'm here for that. And what's even better about this is that the uh, screenwriter for this who decided to make that change is Peter Dinklage's wife.
2: (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. And she was like,
1: we're going to do this. And my husband can do it. It's fine. And I'm like, brava. But the trailer looks really good. It looks really like uh, sweeping, cinematic, and like great time period. The music sounds fun. Um, Peter Dinklage is like doing some serious acting, which is great. Um, The rest of the cast looks fun. And um, it comes out December 31st. And it's a musical. And I think it'll be in theaters. And I'm really excited. JJ, can we go see it on the 31st? I guess. Uh,
0: like I don't like
2: get
0: so jo- excited. Well, I I don't. I, <laughs> Joanna said it before. I knew I knew nothing of this like story. I didn't even. I was like, uh, what's a Cyrano? I don't know what this mm-hmm. is. Um, I did like again, kind of like same thing with the Star Trek thing. There was like a little bubble percolating in the back that I do remember a, an episode of Doug back in the day where mm. I think they did like a very similar like he because Doug Funny has a big nose. And so, like, and he's in love with Patty Mayonnaise, and so I'm, I'm sure that, I'm thinking that, like, I think he was using, like, Roger as, like, his, like, trying to woo her by, like, sending her, po- or, like, journal entries or something. I don't remember. But it was something like that. I want to say it was, like, a Doug, a Doug episode. Um, and I was you like, dug oh. deep
2: for
3: that.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm waist oh, well. deep in, like, mental, <laughs> mental absolute shit. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah. So like, uh, uh, like I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a thing that Peter Dinklage is in. That's this is that's what that's what that's what I'm going into this. But I'm like, yeah, it seems neat. To it's gonna be wonderful.
1: <laughs> I'll see it without you, as I always say. Can we go see this? And unless it has a Marvel title attached to it, we don't go see it together. Well, um, the last
0: time we, we, I think, oh no, no. No, the last thing we
1: saw in the movie theaters together yeah. was what? Shang Chi. No Shang Chi. What's the next thing we're probably going to see in the movie theaters together? Eternals? Eternals. <laughs> Did we say we were going to see lots of other things between then and now, and even before then, that we were going to go see in the movie theaters that we didn't?
3: A yeah. lot, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah that's the thing. It'll probably continue. <laughs> it, it will. <laughs> um, so I go see these things by myself. Um, if Jonathan's ready to brave the world by then, maybe he'll go see it with me. Because Jonathan and I used to go do cool stuff together, but then, you know, the world stopped working.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we're in a pancetta.
1: Because we're we're in the middle of a panorama. Woop woop. Wonk. Um, but hey, that brings us to the end of our podcast. We've made it. Um, thank you for joining well, us on right. that journey.
2: Yeah, it it's my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah,
0: for sure.
1: So um, hey, thanks for listening to Nobody Asked Our Opinion. You can send us an email with any and all of your opinions at at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nobody Asked Our Opinion. You can listen to us on YouTube at Nobody Asked Our Opinion Podcast. You can follow me at Joey Snow two thousand
0: six, and me at Piano Man underscore zero five.
1: Follow our unpaid intern Natalia at the Third Rule Creative, Third Rule Creative, and our producer Jonathan at Jelly Sound. Rate us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast, and tell your friends to check us out.
0: Tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your neighbors, tell your dog. Maybe he'll listen. Tell your kids, tell your wife, <laughs> tell your kids, tell
1: your wife. Um, uh, join us every Thursday to listen to us talk about more pop culture bullshit. And join us on Saturdays where we do our uh, film franchise franchise deep dive. English is hard. Into uh, the Saw th- series. The spoopy. <laughs> we're going to be doing Saw six next. Um, so um, get excited <laughs> because we're not. <laughs> These movies have gotten really bad. Out of nowhere, <laughs> I'm. We'll get to jigsaw eventually, and they'll get good again. I promise. Uh, but um, if we have to slug through, we slug through it, so you don't. Yes. <laughs> you just listen to us talk about it. Um, so yeah, join us Thursdays, join us Saturdays. Um, follow us on the things. Tell your friends. Uh, follow Jason because he's wonderful. Thank and, you. And uh, let's say goodbye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.